You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with science fiction grandmaster Barry N. Malsberg here at Science Fiction in San Francisco. Barry, the essay you read tonight uh, dealt with a couple of really interesting aspects of science fiction, and one was the history of science fiction, which you have seen a great deal of. Yes, I've seen my share of science fiction. I sold my first story on January 11th, 1967, so that means 41 years. The field itself, as we know it, is only 82 years old. Right, first issue of Amazing Stories, April 26, 82. I sold my first story 41 years ago, which makes me, what, half as old as the field itself and considerably more decrepit. <laughs> Barry, uh, one of the things I really liked about the, the, your essay was the way it revealed a side of science fiction that many people don't think about, especially the older science fiction writers, um, their the social relations, which were, I think, a lot more complicated and entertaining than we might imagine. Yes, they, they were, and they have been chronicled, uh, notably by Damon Knight in a book called The Futurians, published 30 years ago which dealt with the social and sexual interrelationships of, of the first generation, first important generation of SF writers. And they were colorful. Uh, you were t- telling me earlier uh, about a particular divorce uh, scene. Could you tell that to our listeners? Well, I don't know how much I should tell your listeners. Frederick Pohl and Judith Merrill, notable and important science fiction writers both, were married for about six years, somewhere in the period between 1947, say, and 52. They were divorced. It was not a friendly divorce. Uh, It was a contested divorce, property and custody. There was a hearing in Milford, Pennsylvania, before a civil judge. Each marital partner enlisted his or her friends to testify on behalf of, uh, of of him and on the various inequities and infidelities of the spouse. Much testimony was given. The judge was not pleased with it. Now, what was the judge's response? The judge's response was the science fiction people were people with whom he preferred not to deal. He was granting the divorce and throwing everything else out the court. You people settle it. I don't want to hear from you anymore, he said. Now, Barry, uh, one of the things I really liked about the essay you read was the sense of collapsing time within the world of science fiction. Science fiction is a, is a genre that deals with time travel, and your uh, author, in a sense, in your essay, experiences time travel in a most unpleasant manner. Yes, he does indeed. He does indeed. And that's, that's, but that's a literary device. Uh, hardly, uh, hardly limited to science fiction. Uh, the the magnificent late Philip Roth novels show a, show a, a, a sweep and an ease in in compressing time time within a novelistic framework. I've done nothing original there, but I don't think that this kind of material has been handled that way. Now, as a science fiction writer, you've seen a lot of changes in the field. I mean, it's gone through uh, a 
40 years since you first, 41 years since you first published. Tell us about how you feel about some of those changes and what you think matter the most to you. That's a very large question. Uh, I, I can't really answer that question. I, I, I have a better chance of, uh, of answering it in, in 10 or 20 seconds than I would in 10 or 20 hours. In 10 or 20 seconds, I'd quote an unnamed friend of Norman Spinrad who, who said to Norman Spinrad at a, at a Parisian science fiction convention about 15 years ago, science fiction, that is a finished thing. It is possible that science fiction as we know it, the genre, is a facet of 20th century technological change that science fiction has served its purposes, its purpose in explaining and analyzing that change and its implications, and it is now vestigial and a dying genre. Just uh, genres do die. The Gothic died, the Western died, jungle stories died, airplane stories died. It's possible that science fiction may have been exhausted. I don't know. Do you still write science fiction? A little bit, mostly essays introductions, uh, critical articles, the like. I've, I haven't written much fiction in, in a number of years. I essentially got my work done. I wrote, what I, I wrote what I was intended to write. I did the best I could, and I have a body of work. And I don't think that I could do any more than I have done in, t in terms of contributing to the category as, as a writer of fiction. As a critic, as an analyst, as a historian, I have a few things to say, yeah. Now, I want to ask you about your criticism. You were one of the first people to really write, I think, um, important and take the, the field really seriously. What made now, you do that? Damon, Damon Knight and James Blish are the founding avatars. They, they are science fiction's true first critics. They came in the 50s. They were great. They, did, they, they said this stuff is, is literature and it must be treated and criticized as literature, and they laid it out very well. A.J. Budgers came along in the 60s and expanded upon their work. I studied, I studied this. I had my own ideas. I expanded it. I went on in the 70s and 80s. I had much to say, but what I did could not have been done without their work. Their work is fundamental. At the same time, I like to feel that what I have done is as important and good as what they did in their time. Now, what you did was based on a, on the second generation or third generation yes. of science fiction. So, tell me about some some of the differences between third and second generation. Science fiction slid into decadence in the seventies, uh, conterminous with Star Wars, Star Trek. Uh, the franchising of the field and the exhaustion of most of the of its first generation, second generation material. What is decadence? I define decadence once somewhere as being that state in which form, uh, in in which form outweighs function, in which form is more important than function, and that's what began to happen to science fiction uh, with its first great enthusiastic uh, period of creation behind it. Science fiction could only recycle and expand and, and so in, in some way parody or replicate its original impetus. And, and in so doing became a much more 
in, in cutting-edge science fiction became more sophisticated, but it also ran ahead of its audience. Uh, and in another way, the, uh, the media science fiction, which, which in Star Wars and, and Star Trek and, and the movies of the, of the 80s became an enormous commercial uh, circumstance, began, began to crush literary science fiction, written science fiction. But that's, that's a superficial summary of the, of the situation, which is quite complicated. I've been speaking with Barry Malsberg. He's the uh, science fiction grandmaster here in science. No, I'm not a grandmaster. There are, there are 14 or 15, or maybe it's as many, 20 now, official SFWA grandmasters, grandmaster trophies awarded by the Science Fiction Writers of America. The most recent uh, have been Silverberg, Harlan Ellison, and McCaffrey. Uh, this year it was Michael Moorcock. Uh, I am not of that number. I don't think I ever will be, and it doesn't bother me a bit. Thank you for joining me, Barry. My pleasure. My pleasure. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.